What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC. And, of course, I got my co-host here with me, Lot. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Okay, and we have two special guests in the building. Of course, we have a guy. He's he's damn near the third Mike. He's been on here so many times, so he needs no introduction. We have TJ on here. What up, what up, what up, Del? Okay, and we have another returning guest. He actually hasn't been here since some of the early conversations, but uh, he was a, he was definitely one that we wanted to bring back, just trying to work out schedules. We got Holiday on here. What up, Doe? Looking forward to it. Cool. So for this one, um, I reached out to everybody about this uh, this pound-for-pound list, this men's pound-for-pound list. And we touched a little bit on the women's pound for pound list when we, you know, we're talking about Amanda Nunes movement on the list. But the biggest thing that sparked this one was uh, Davison Figueredo move into uh, number seven on the Sir Dog pound for pound list. And so, of course, um, I reached out to everybody and I wanted to have a conversation around it. But before we dive in, before we get everybody's opinions on pound for pound and everything like that. I want to do the same thing I did on the Amanda Nunez episode, but I actually have another definition also. <laughs> now, when I say the no- another definition, it doesn't mean it is different. It just means that it's from a different source, right? But on the Amanda Nunez episode, we did get some feedback from somebody on YouTube, and they seemed to really not like what we were referencing for pound for pound. And I asked the guy multiple times to provide me a source based on what he considers pound for pound. So for Fatboy MMA, the Fatboy MMA podcast, we're going off of this for pound for pound. If somebody can give me another source or something better, then we can always, you know, revisit this. But first, I'll give you your dictionary.com's definition of pound for pound. And it says, a comparison of fighters, usually boxers, skill level, regardless of the weight class they are in. So this goes more along the lines of what we talked about in the Amanda Nunes episode. We really talked about skill level, and this was one of the things that uh, the person that gave us some feedback had a problem with. Uh, He said it was simply body of work, which does not make sense. Now I'll go to the definition that we talked about or the history of where Powell from Powell even came from that we talked about on that episode, and this comes from Bleacher Report. During the 1950s, there was one fighter in the sport of boxing so incredible in all areas that the term pound for pound was created. It came to be simply because this boxer, Sugar Ray Robinson, was the perfect wrecking machine. He was so damn good that fans and pundits were left to left we're left with no choice but to compare him to other great boxers from other weight divisions. There were simply no other comparisons to be had, 
And once the comparisons began, the question arose, who would win if? If both men being considered to have, if both men being considered could have their skills and abilities, the essence of what all makes them great encapsulated into equal proportions, which again is what I used in that episode. So almost think of it as if we take those, those two people, we take their skill, whatever the thing is, if they're fast, if they're powerful, their wrestling's good, whatever it is. But now let's say they are a flyweight and we put them in a heavyweight body and, you know, we make them Francis Ngano where they're also 6'4", 240 pounds. Who would win? So before we dive into anything, understand it because I didn't let you all know or go over this to you with you all before. You would only have heard this if you listened to the Amanda Nunes uh, episode. Does anybody have an issue with either one of those definitions for pound for pound? I don't. No. Nope. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, let's dive into it. And um, the pound for pound list that, that, you know, was updated pretty much after Figueredo um, was given a victory. I, I I really don't want to say beat <laughs> was given a victory over Moreno. Uh, they updated the uh, sure dog rankings and then also the UFC uh, kind of updated their rankings. And based upon the rankings that are there, which I won't go into detail on each of them right now, we'll go into it a little bit later. I want to get some feedback initially just on um, what everybody thinks about as far as, uh, sure dog uh, bouncing Figueredo up to number seven. And I actually want to kick it off with you first, Holiday, since you haven't been on here for quite a while. All right, yeah, I was um, I was trying to refine the list because my new list ain't the same, don't have him on me still. Um, but well, you know, was... we can cycle back around to you. All right, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, okay, okay. We're going to go with our other guests. We're going to go with TJ first and let let, let us get some thoughts on, from him on Figueredo going to number seven. If we're talking strictly Davidson Figueredo, he doesn't belong in the top ten pound for pound to me. Um, I don't think he has the body Ooh, of I work. I need my sound. Shot fired. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, like, if we're talking, like, even going off of your two definitions, right? I'm, and I'm going to be strictly logical here. I'm, and uh, we can get into the silly shit as I continue to drink Crown Royal Cheers to my dad. Um, <laughs> it's he—he he doesn't have the body of work, right? Like his one—he's in a, a thin division in the UFC, and I hate to say that as much as I love that division, but he doesn't have the numbers. The people he's beaten have been either retirees or people on their way out the door. He, in my personal opinion, has not won his last three fights. Um, you go draw, which I still gave it to um, Brandon. You go Brandon basically finishing him and then a robbery decision, in my opinion. And again, that's the problem with judging. It's always subjective, but he hasn't won his last three fights. So like for you and looking at, you know, sure dog for you to then justify him being above Stipe, who's really only significant loss came to Francis, uh, Dustin Poirier, who's lost to two champions and Justin Gaethje. Like you, you know, it's a little bit absurd in my opinion. Um, and then if you go, you know, can his skills, skill set translate across divisions? 
what was his biggest skill set before the Brendan fight was his power, right? And he would he was able to touch people and get him out of there within two rounds. So you can compare that to Francis. But what was his biggest weakness was his cardio. So Brandon kind of took him to a draw and defeated him because his cardio was just not there. This last fight, he, if you want to make the argument he won, he won because he was timid, tentative, and essentially avoided any sort of, um, I, I'm going to use the term confrontation. Like he avoided getting into mix-ups with Brandon and he would catch him on the way out. And arguably he outpointed him. Would that work above 145? Absolutely not. He would get demolished. So I just don't think he belongs in the top 10. I don't yeah. even think he belongs sniffing this list at this point. All good points. And and I wouldn't even say that he outpointed him. I just think he ended up with things that happened in the fight that more swayed the judges, in particular those knockdowns. But uh, I want to move over to Locke and, and kind of get his opinion on everything. DC always does this to me. He hits everybody first and lets them like articulate all these well thought out points and then goes to me like walk a walk a fart joke. You know, what the fuck am I supposed to say? Listen, it's uh, like when you when you have guests over your house, you always gotta be like, Hey, would you like something to drink first? you know? And then the people that live there, it's like you gotta drink less. <laughs> no, I I get it. I get it. Um but yeah, I agree with pretty much everything TJ said. You know, we look at Davison Figueredo last three fights, even if you take it as what it is without arguing what our personal opinions were, it's draw, loss, decision, win, you know, and to move up in the pound for pound with that kind of performance over time. And that's not take away from him, whatever he's fighting at the highest level, he's the champ, but I don't think that moves you up in the pound for pound. And I think if I look at the two, like sure dog has them at seven it moved up to that. I definitely don't agree with that. I think the UFC's got him at 12, and I think that looks a lot closer to where he should be. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I don't remember where he was at in the last rank as a sure dog. I should have looked it up to see how many slots he jumped. But uh, sevens, of, that's big. I don't think he was in the top 10. Um, <clears throat> Holiday, you ready for us? <laughs> yeah, I finally found him in the 25th hour. Um but I agree with um TJ as far as I personally believe that I'm correct. <laughs> and I believe that he lost all three of those fights. Um, I He clearly lost the second one, obviously. But the first one was a draw. He lost. And this last one, he lost. Um, So with that being said, I can't move you up off of three losses. Um, So I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with it anyway because in my opinion you lost those three fights and we're talking pound for pound once again so we're not talking record or none of that we're talking skill set when well, my opinion i mean somebody beat you three times and they are not on this list you know what i mean so um i will have to um disagree just off of that factor alone now Skill set, I definitely think that he's a very skilled fighter, but to the point, I don't think that he's more skilled than a lot of other people. I don't think that he's more skilled than Dustin Poirier, actually, um, who he's above on the list. Um, I I don't think he's more skilled than Stipe, neither. Um, so I think if you put them all in each other's 
like if you can have that magic wand and put them at whatever weight class and it's like their natural weight class. I don't think that he beats Dustin Poirier. I don't think that he beats um, Stipe and et cetera. Yeah, because yeah. he barely beat Moreno. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he has yet to do it. <laughs> no, definitely good Dale, points. You, what were you about to say? No, it's just you. You caught out the Moreno win, and you said the reason that you know he was able to sway the judges was because of those knockdowns. I actually think Moreno suffered from something that we've seen Benson Henderson do in his heyday. His his ability, his overselling everything when it's not necessarily that he's being hurt. He's just doing it to draw his, you know, opponent into a finish. But when that opponent doesn't chase you, the judges look at that as like, oh, you're really hurt. Like, you know, Moreno fell over on some stuff where it was like you were on one foot, you were jumping backwards and he touched you and you fell expecting him to chase you. And it looks like a knockdown. Right. So like I even look at that third fight again, as much as I say he didn't win that fight. Like if you even wanted to make the argument that, you know, Davidson won, I would just say he didn't win. Actually, Moreno just lost. Right. Like, I know that sounds fucked up, but like, I do believe there are cases where your opponent doesn't win. You just lose. No. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, You know, I think the nature of it, and this is something we've talked about before, not even going into the whole uh, changing the structure of how MMA is judged, but just looking at people that don't the judges that don't understand the difference between boxing and MMA, a knockdown in boxing is really big. A knockdown in MMA doesn't weigh that heavy. Everything in MMA, whether it's a knockdown, takedown, anything like that, historically has only been weighed heavy if you do something after, right? If I take you down and then I'm able to land several punches, elbows, I go through a couple of submission attempts, okay, yeah, that may have given me the round. But if I take you down and you pop back up, it's not that heavy. Well, the same with knocking you down in MMA. And, um, you know, something I won't go into, save that for another time. Uh, uh, DC, who is one of my favorite commentators, he gets me upset with that because whenever there's a wrestler there and he's commentating and there's a wrestler against somewhere, he overdramatically puts an emphasis on anything that was a takedown and tried to sell that person winning that round. And it's like, that's not how it works, right? But to uh, to touch on, you know, the whole Figueredo at number seven, I agree with everything you all said. Um, Holiday, there was one big point that you said toward the end, and, and Locke, you followed up on that. Um, one of the big litmus tests, even if Moreno had won, literally – he had the title right now and he had won on paper all of those fights. I would not have him in my top 10. So if I feel like he's beat you three times, how would you be in my top 10? How would you be in the top 10 pound for pound fighters? Right. And um, I just don't see it. I do think he made a couple of adjustments and everything like that, working with Cejudo, which is good, but not enough to put him in the top 10 and jump over all of the people that you all mentioned, not to mention once we get to um, talking about our top 10s, you'll realize my top 10, I guarantee you, is not like anybody else's, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, with that, um, in general, 
I want to open up the floor for um, before we get into actually saying our top five, top ten or anything in general. I want to open up the floor for anything else that anybody else saw kind of within the top ten that they don't agree with, whether it's somebody on the list they don't feel like should be on there or whether it's somebody that's not on the list and you're like, how the hell is this person not on the list? So I want to open that up for anybody that wants to grab it. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I think there the two, the two top 10 lists I'll look at here is sure dog and UFCs. I think UFCs is the most absurd of the top 10 list. I think, uh, John Jones shouldn't even be on this list. He's an inactive fighter. He's essentially retired three years now. Um, I think you have to, Agreed. I think top 10 list, I think top 10 list should only, especially pound for pound should only equate to people that have competed within a 12 year, a 12 month, sorry, mark, right? Like you have to have competed within 12 months because otherwise it's kind of pointless, right? If John Jones was here and active, he would be number one. Um, I think, and then beyond that, I think UFC's insistence and even sure dogs to this point of promoting Alexander Volkanovsky as anything above a top five, like I just, I, it's weird. And I think it's a hard sale that they keep trying to sell to us. I'm just not a fan of it. Maybe I'm, you know, being biased because I'm not a fan of his. Um, but I do think the consensus number one across the board should always be Kamar Usman. So I think point, you probably apparently. hacked my computer and like <laughs> stole my pound for pound list. Cause you said a lot of stuff that I have on mine and I really don't appreciate that. I feel like lock now. I feel like you're stealing all the thunder, and then you're not leaving anything for me. <laughs> Anybody else want to touch on that? Anything else that you kind of saw within the uh, pound for pound list? Yeah, one of the things I thought, uh, looking at both of the lists, especially if we're to go by your Bleacher Report definition of where we're talking about skills and you know translating. Um, I think Charles Oliveira seems pretty pretty low ranked on both these lists, considering you know he's on a ten fight win streak. He's won eleven of his last twelve, and if and that's if we're going by record and what you've done lately. But if we're going by skill set, there's not a lot of fighters that have the diverse skill set that Oliveira has, and so the UFC's got him at five, and Sherdog has him at uh, six, and. Not only is he beating these guys, I mean, he's ran through some some good guys. Poye, Chandler, Ferg, Kevin Lee, you know. Um, he's got some real wins under his belt. So I feel like both these lists really, uh, I don't know, aren't, aren't giving Oliveira the credit he deserves for the run that he's on. And he's, he's a guy that I had picked against probably in the last couple of fights because I just, I always liked him, but he seemed like kind of a, you know, you know, one of those guys, a journeyman, not quite a journeyman, like a high level mm-hmm. journeyman that never quite got it done. And uh, he's really been on a tear. And I think he should be higher up on both of those lists. No, I think you have a great point. And when I was making my list, Oliveira was the hardest to place. I actually, he ended up in my number five, but I'll explain why later. But I agree with everything that you said. I, I could easily see him moving up the list. It was just literally when I start thinking about the people that I have above him and what would happen in a fight, I couldn't move him higher, but some of it I wouldn't argue with either because I do think, like you said, he's on a tear. He's shown he can go up against wrestlers, strikers, whoever. Um, so yeah, no, no arguments there. Um, 
you got anything for us, Holiday? Yeah, so um, I had a problem. Let me say this. Mine was mainly off of the sure dog list and the wrong one. <laughs> but <laughs> I had a problem with uh, Alexander. Kind of my same thing. <laughs> I don't think that he beat Max Holloway. Um, and I think Max Holloway is better than him because I think he actually beat him both times. And he, he's higher than Max Holloway. This list, I don't even see Max Holloway on at all. And he's in my list. So that was one of the things. And then if I was just being completely fair, I don't even know the Bellator dudes. Well, and this one is only one Bellator dude, but the one I was looking at was two. But I don't know them. So that's it just kind of jumped out at me just because I don't know them. But I don't watch Bellator no more. Yeah, so AJ McKee, I had only saw a couple of his fights because I really don't watch Bellator much. I was a big fan of his dad, but his dad was one of those guys that had a style that would never sell. He was kind of an old-school wrestler, ground-and-pound guy. You're not going to get a spectacular finish. He's going to put you on the ground and, and beat you up. And um, Khabib before Khabib. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, the way Khabib does it is a little bit more exciting for the masses, but I was a big fan of um, of uh, Antonio McKee. But uh, so this AJ is his son. And so because I hadn't seen a lot of his fights, when I saw him on this list, I went, went back and watched a lot of those fights. And so um, I do still have, have him on my list, but I don't have him as high as they have him ranked after going back and watching those fights and being familiar with a lot of his opponents and kind of the time in which he fought them. But um, I think he's a legit guy. But whenever you're outside of the UFC, one of the things that you always have to factor in is I have to think about, okay, he's a 145-er. I have to put him in against the other 145s. I have to say, how will he do against Volkanovski? How will he do against Max Holloway? You know, and things like that. And um, I just couldn't rank him that high unless I really was able to see him against some of those guys, if that makes sense. That's a, it's, it's a really good breakdown, not to step on you here, Holiday, but what one of the reasons why I actually had AJ McKee in my number 10 spot. And it I wasn't, told you he stole like, my list. He stole my damn list. <laughs> he stole my list. But hear me out. <laughs> Hacker. <laughs> hear me out. I, I watched Bellator for specific fighters, black <clears throat> fighters that I actually follow, especially up and coming. We we heard fighters, that. But, um, um and like honestly, like I've been following Corey Anderson as much as I think he's a nerd, a giant fucking nerd. Excuse my language, a nerd, but like I watch it. I watch all of AJ McKee's fight because I was a fan of Anthony McKee and I was disappointed in his UFC run, but I also felt like his UFC run came at the end of his, you know, professional career. So it's just like he wasn't going to make as much noise at that point. I think AJ McKee, why I keep him in that list is one, he's winning these fights that on paper he's not supposed to win, but he's winning them using actual fight IQ over physicality and skills. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really acknowledge when they're doing their pound for pound list it's it's fight iq right like he beat um what was the last fight he beat one of the pitboard brothers if i'm not mistaken but yeah, he did it he did it in a way that was like i know i can't outstrike you and i know i can't out brawl you but what i'll do is i'll 
start a brawl and then switch to striking. And when you realize I'm striking you, I'll switch back to brawling. And then like you literally saw, um, you know, people was like his like brain was trying to figure out like, okay, what are we doing here? And by the time that happened, the fight was over. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why I have a man number 10. I do push back a little bit on you in terms of can he translate his skill set in the UFC? I do think that if he's in the UFC, he's in their top five at a 145 division. And I think what he brings to the table would actually outdo someone like Volkanovsky. But I can't prove it until we see it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you said the exact thing I said. I didn't say it wouldn't translate. I said until I see him against those guys, it's, it's just too hard to tell. You know, I, yeah. I definitely think that um, the UFC is a different animal. It's a reason why everybody's pound for pound list is very heavy with UFC fights. It's really a different animal. When you see guys come over to the UFC, especially once you get under the, um, you know, as you call it, the fake organization, uh, USADA, you know, but we, we do know that they have caught quite a few people, including TJ Dillashaw, you know, and, and things of that sort. And guys aren't as big as they used to be. What was that? Yeah, so very strategic, the people they catch at the points they catch them. <laughs> hey, I'm Seems just to be saying, a lot of we saw at points. We saw a lot of people that. shrink when USADA came, and, and they haven't gotten bigger. <laughs> also true. Also <laughs> and did, true. Didn't they catch Dillashaw yeah. on EPO? Isn't that what he's yeah. doing? Yeah. You, you don't need After USADA to catch TJ Dillashaw on EPO. <laughs> I mean, like, not to go down that rank, but do we need USADA to catch anybody under 55 pounds on EPO? And how have they not caught Izzy with a titty yet? So let's let's keep it moving. Though. Listen, first of all, he told you what that happened. That was from Weed. In the story, and my titties from Popeyes. We- <laughs> my titties from Popeyes. It was from weed, <laughs> but uh, no, no, good, uh, definitely good point. So, I actually want to open it up some now to talk about just in general um, the pound for pound list. Who you got? You can run down your top five, top ten. We kind of gave a little bit of insight on some of the people we may have on there or may not have on there. But um, I actually want to start this one off with Locke, so he won't say we we took everything. <laughs> so I won't cry about it? I won't take my ball and go home? Give my ball. <laughs> well, I didn't my, – my ranking is all, like, real fighters, UFC fighters. I mean, I don't have nobody – I know you got three <laughs> fighters from one on your top ten. Uh, but, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> well, um, so my top five I had – and and. Just like TJ said, I don't count John Jones at all. I mean, obviously, if he's fighting, he he's straight to number one. You know what I mean? He's the top guy historically or whatever, but he's an active fighter, so don't count. Uh, so at number one, I got Usman, and I don't think that's even debatable. I mean, I think he's by far the number one pound-for-pound guy. I got Stylebender at two, Oliveira at three, Ngannou at four, and Volkanovski at five. Okay. Okay, I like that. That's that's not a bad uh it's not a bad one at all. Uh and, and I kinda wanted to put Oliveira to two. Mm-hmm. Um because I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna count that Jan loss too hard against Stylebender because I like guys going up and taking chances and risky fights and I don't want, you know, when people lose those fights for it to be you, you know, so hard on, you know, their legacy or their rankings or whatever, because then nobody will ever want to try and make these super fights again. So, yeah. Um, 
that's kind of why I kind of left him at two. But I think if we go by the Bleacher Report, the skill for skill, Oliveira is definitely a more well-rounded fighter. No, I could I could see it. This is the thing. I could see it from so many angles. I think that the reason why I still have Izzy up there is because I think his striking would be dynamic no matter where you put him. His striking is next level. It's the best striking, in my opinion, in the UFC. So For sure. if I look at a matchup with him and Oliveira, I have to question whether Oliveira can get in and make it a grappling match. And that would be the difference in where I would have them ranked, if that makes sense. And um, I, so far, with um, you know, with Izzy going up against much bigger guys, they're still having a hard time putting him on his back and keeping him there. You know, so it, it's hard for me to think that Oliveira would be able to do it, especially when he's not a wrestler. It's more if you take him down or if he does something slick to get you to the ground, but he's not going to just go out and take you down. Well, you know, I think a lot of times we mistake, like, these lean body types and lanky fighters for not being strong, when in reality yeah. there's not a whole lot of truth to that. I mean, when you look at John Jones, now he's a grown man, so he's bulked up mm-hmm. a lot, but even when he was young, you know, a lot of guys have said, like, Chael Sonnen, and there's guys that are on the mm-hmm. record that said when he gets a hold of you, he's next-level strong, so... I mean, yeah. Simon said he was juiced out of his mind and John Jones rushed him across the cage. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, he did. With that note, Holiday, I'm going to skip over to you next. All right, cool. So mine and his is pretty close. I got Usman number one. I think that uh, Usman has had the best run currently and that not only was he beating people, but he was really beating people decisively, right? He had a couple close, but, you know, for the most part, he was really just beating people. Um, and then after that, I got Izzy. Um, I got Izzy. I believe that I was a little disappointed by that loss. Not that he lost, but it was like, it was the first time I ever seen him where he looked to me like uh I don't even know the the right word, but I felt like he just looked like like when he was like he on the care. ground, like he didn't try enough. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's we know that obviously since then you could tell he's worked on like getting up and stuff like that. But it seemed like to me in that fight, I know obviously he's much bigger, but he seemed like he was uh okay with it, if that makes sense. Um, being down and stuff like that. But um and then his last fight, uh I felt like that he should have ended it. Um, so the fact that they was saying that Whitaker won, or some people were saying that Whitaker won, was crazy. Because it's like what I, what I think is weird about fighting is I think something can be close and not close at all. So I think every round could be close, but you can lose every round. So technically, that's not a close fight, but it is because every round was close. And I don't think that he lost too many rounds if uh, my memory is not right there, but I think I only had him losing, like, one maybe. Yeah, I think I had him losing one. I think it was the second round or something. But um, I think that he should have actually ended the fight. But going not too far on that, then I do have um, Charles Olivero third as well. Um, I think the streak that he's been on, 
he looks really hungry. He looks really sharp. Uh, his movements, like everything, he looks like he's really like locked in. Like, like he was waiting for this title shot, and when he got the title shot, like he was coming, like all like that momentum that you like to see. Um, I think he has a lot of that in there. I think his skills is uh, amazing. I think he keeps showing it. Um, and then I actually got Max Holloway fourth. Um, once again, I think he beat old boy twice. Um, I think I forgot who that was. I think it was, um, uh, his name escaped me. I just had his name in my head. Did he beat the brakes off of Cal- He was talking to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, you know how in football and basketball, they be like, you can only play who in front of you, but if you play somebody below you, you got to make sure they know it. Right. And that's how he that's how he beat him. Like he beat him very decisively and embarrassing. Like when you when you're putting on someone that's below you, I think those type of performances put you up in there for me. Um, I got Francis five. And what I'm at with Francis is is trying to figure out exactly where he's going because he was hurt this last one. It made it hard for me and easier. Uh, it made it easier because he couldn't do what he wanted to do. He was hurt, and he still found the way to win. He did what he needed to do to win, and he made the adjustment to win as well. Um, but it made it harder because he was hurt. I couldn't really see what he would have did in that spot, um, which I would have liked to see. Um, but, you know, we obviously we know his knockout power is crazy. I'm always more biased against heavyweights, though. Because I always feel like if they was like smaller and was fighting some of these featherweights and et cetera, et cetera, they'd get the brakes beat off of them. So I ain't go to 10. That's that's basically what I got. Okay. Yeah, what thing I about to say? Can I say something real quick? Go, um, yeah, go ahead. I think, like, yeah, the Engano's last performance, it's, it's not what we'd like to see. You know, it wasn't the most like dominating victory or whatever. But it's the fight game, and you got to come up with ways to win. And when we start talking about pound for pound to go, I mean, we can't forget, you know, Anderson Silva put up a couple stinkers, like the the Thales Leite's fight, the Damian Blasphemy. There's Just two saying. people we don't say nothing bad about on this podcast, Anderson Silva and Ronda Rousey. Everybody knows that. Blasphemy. Well, good. Yeah, go watch Anderson Silva and Patrick Cote and be like, yeah, that was a dope fight. He's the greatest ever. He he blew his knee out with mental mind techniques. <laughs> the goat. Listen, listen, y'all just disrespectful. But uh, so I'm just uh, saying that the fact that it was kind of a boring win, I don't think that takes from Engano's thing. I think it kind of adds to it that as he's starting to add like more skill sets and find different ways to win. Like that's I a fight he that. used to lose. I don't even think that is boring. I just think MMA has gotten to the point where. Everybody wants to see the craziest stuff, and it's not simply about skills and who's the best. And it, it's a tragedy because I don't think that fight was boring at all. I think it was a good chess match. But um, Holiday, to the points of what you said, so um, with Izzy, I don't think in that Jan fight, it was as much as he was content as much as it is. I think he really, he understood, especially in wrestling, and, and I think we've talked about this before on here. Um, when you really start wrestling with somebody else, especially if you're a striker, you're going to blow your arms and everything out. 
you're going to be done. And when you're a, kind of a counterpuncher and you're one of those guys that barely slip shots to land yours, you get up and your arms are full of blood and you try to do that, you're going to get knocked out. And I think he had somewhat of an understanding to say, I have to weather some of this and then look for opportunities to try to get up because I'm not going to outmuscle this guy. He, he's way too strong. He's a natural 205er. And then when we get up, I'll try and strike with him and see if I can win there. So I think that was kind of what happened. And and what, what um you know, with your, your boy Oliveira, you know, I agree with um, a lot of what you said. And I think Oliveira is a product of one of those people that really, you know, he's, he's 5'10", 5'11", and he was trying to fight down at 145 pretty much his whole career. And, you know, some of that stuff works when you're a lot younger. When you start to add your grown man weight, it's hard to, you know, that's a very frail guy, you know, 5'10", 145 pounds. So just adding that extra 10 pounds makes a difference. And when he moved up to 55, I really just think he was a different uh, different fighter. And I think, uh, you know, I think it showed. So um, just real ahead, quick on that. Yep. Yeah, just real quick on that. What's funny, what I was trying to get out of I couldn't say. He almost looked like a fresh fighter. Mm-hmm. Like he's like a, a new fighter on a new run. The focus in, in which he's fighting and stuff. That's all I wanted to add. Yeah. So, TJ, let's pass it over to you and your stolen list. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a couple of comments. So, if I ramble, just say you rambling. Mm-hmm. But uh, right off back, again, Israel, Israel, I mean, sorry. Why can't I get his name out? Kamaru Usman is number one, right? Honestly, I just think that similar to GSP in his heyday, but a little bit better, is his skill set just Point for point, his wrestling, his grappling could translate up or down a ladder. His understanding of striking now, like, you know, two years ago, I wouldn't have given him this, but his understanding of striking now can translate up and down the ladder. He knows his power. He knows how to, I'm going to use the term, pull his punch and when to put power into a punch versus when you're just touching a person to score a point. Um, I don't, I don't think he's the best striker in the UFC, but I think he knows he's not the best striker in the UFC and that gives him an advantage over a lot of people. Like you look at that Kobe fight. Even when Kobe was getting the upper hand, Kobe was falling in love with the fact that he was better. He was outstriking him at moments, whereas Usman wasn't trying to outstrike him. He was just trying to hurt him or hit him or touch him, right? And, and that's something that's going to carry him across the board. I, I have Israel Adesanya as number two. You know, you, you guys touched on this last fight and even looking at the, um, um, the, the, what's his name that he lost to? Um, Jan, I just Blay, thinking of, yeah, I can't pronounce his last name. It's I, I was looking at Peter Jan. I was looking at Peter Jan's name, and I was like, "What? The, why am I going to call him Jan Peter?" Uh, yeah, because he is spelled with even, a J, but we pronounce it Jan. <laughs> so exactly, just different different languages, <laughs> you, man. <laughs> you touched on it here, and I think it's something that we should all consider. Like, you know, I think it's a combination of both what you and Mark said with that fight, and I also I believe Israel. Like, I I believe Izzy. He said. I was bored within that fight. And it's something that we've seen John Jones suffer for, suffer from for his last three fights. We saw Anderson Silva suffer from it, you know, going into the Chael fight and then getting knocked out in the Weidman fight. I think a lot of times with these highly skilled fighters, if they get to a certain point where they start to laugh the competition, they can get bored. And if they don't know how to mentally change over, they will lose a fight. And in that fight, like there were points in that fight where I, where 
<laughs> it's funny the commentary. I think it was uh, DC was calling that fight where he said every every faint movement or even like body shudder that he would that Izzy did, Jan would react to it in almost fear. Mm-hmm. And Izzy just wasn't using it. He was just standing there like, "Oh, you're gonna jump. I'm gonna fake jab and you look." And then he would stand there and look at him. And then Jan would just almost panic, take him down. And so I said it to say that I think if you put Izzy and Jan in the cage right now, Izzy would win that fight. Um, you know, I hopefully doesn't make the mistake of saying that I can go up there as a 185er and fight a 205er. I think he should do the proper thing, which is build his strength up. Um, my number three, it's a little bit hard and it's similar to what a lot of you guys said. I, I got Charles Oliveira at number three. Um, I, I debated between him and Francis a little bit. My reasoning for Charles is, we we often forget as hardcore MMA fans that Charles came in his organization when he was like 20 years old and he did not know how to fight, right? He was a jujitsu guy who got in the UFC because at that was that early, that late aughts, you know, you know, early 2010 on in that late 2000 period where the UFC was like bringing in all the Brazilian jujitsu guys. Like these are the guys, these guys. So he came in and he won some fights with his jujitsu skills, but he couldn't, he couldn't grapple. He couldn't wrestle. He couldn't strike. And he actually built himself up by fire. He went to the table. He got beat. He got defeated. He tried 145. He tried 155. He learned how to strike. Like, you watch that Dustin Poirier fight. He learned how to strike with Dustin. Not to knock him out, but this is how I strike just enough to get you to the point where I can grapple you and choke you the fuck out. Right? And, like, that's something you can't replace. And once you learn that, once you got that, that ability will carry you across your career and to the point where now that he knows that he may be one of those rare 155ers that can actually compete into their early their late 30s or early 40s because he's not trying to knock you out every time he's not trying to get in the wars he's just trying to get you to make a mistake for him to choke you out right um i didn't mention this i'm going to mention this controversial statement why uzman is number one too i in my heart of hearts believe could be retired because he realized he was at that point where people were going to start calling for him to fight uzma and i don't think he wanted anything to do with that i don't care what nobody say i know the russians are going to come after me my twitter's <laughs> going to get hacked again i'm going to get those death threats that i got on instagram i made a comment um somebody on them mma sites on instagram they put you know the best whatever of every weight division they put uh could be even i was like so we're just going to continue to disrespect bj Penn's entire career and i literally had dms for five days straight about how Khabib was the fucking god, and I'm like, he's get out of here, y'all. Chill. <laughs> that said, okay. So if I go to my top three, um, Max Holloway is my number four. Even though I said I debated on Francis and Charles for number three, Max Holloway is my number four. I can't logically give you an explanation other than I'm just that big of a fan of Max. And had he gotten those decisions over Volk, I would have had him at number one. I know that sounds crazy, but I just think that. What Max brings to the table as a fighter, again, we're talking about history, skill set across the board. Max doesn't lose fights by getting out wrestled. He doesn't lose fights by getting submitted. He doesn't lose fights by getting out grappled. He only loses fights when a person outpoints him. You get what I'm saying? And that's a certain, that's a, like, there's not a lot of fighters in the UFC history that can have that, can say that, that I only lose because a judge decided I lost a fight, right? Like, would you say Nate Diaz to a certain extent or the Diaz brothers to a certain extent have that? But like, I think they're garbage and, you know, journeymen, but that's a whole nother conversation. But like, I just feel like <laughs> you can be an icon in the journeyman. Look at the junkyard dog. Um, look at Sheldon Benjamin. I mean, let me get out of here. Sorry. Um, but like, I think that not just call Max the Diaz Holloway, brothers fucking junkyard dog. 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Jeremy. Yes, Jeremy. I did. I did call him the junkyard dog. And I did. Junkyard dog and Shelton Benjamin were intercontinental champions in the early '90s, and they did nothing else with their lives. The DS brothers won championships in junior organizations, and they couldn't step up when the competition got be better. Okay, TJ, wrap us up because you're only in like number okay, four. Right. <laughs> Just give us your no, no, top so, five. <laughs> so, so beyond that, beyond that though, beyond that, I do give Francis number five, and I think because what Jeremy said, he made a really great point. We saw Jer- we saw Francis win a fight that on paper he should have lost while injured. And I think that's a true testament of skill set and fight IQ, which, again, I said we need to weigh in when we do these top tens, is fight IQ. Francis realized that he couldn't move the way he used to move. He couldn't generate the power he needed to generate. And he quickly became a wrestler. And it's like Francis three years ago wouldn't have done that. He would have got outpointed and lost. So I think you got to give him that credit. And I think if we had this conversation in another year, if he stays with the UFC, he'd probably be number two or number one. No, you had some. Go ahead, Holiday. I just had really one to two points of contention I just had to ask you about. Wait, hold on. So, if you're going to ask him some stuff, because this is the thing. We we got about 15 minutes left. And, you know, you, we we see he took up 10 minutes right there. So these hopefully these some quick questions, because there's a couple more things before we wrap up so we don't make this too long. But go uh, ahead. Basically, what I was going to say is uh, how can you have Max four, but then say if he won the fights, he'll be one. And if that's the case, that means you actually think he lost those fights, which he didn't. So what I started that conversation with was I'm extremely biased on Max. And I'm like, like he's literally like one of my favorite fighters in the world. So I'm trying to be very fair here. I I think he won all of those fights. But on paper, and his record says that he lost those fights. So if I'm just trying to strictly stick to like record and all of this, you know, weighing all of this in, I think it's kind of hard to justify him over Usman and Izzy at this point. I think if he had those wins on his record, there would be no doubt about it. Um, I also think that, again, if he fights Vulcan, he actually gets a definitive win as in he stops him. I think it's going to be a hard case to make an argument about him not being one or two. You had so, another one, though. Give me the other one. Give me the other one. Wait, we, wait, we'll come back one. around I, to I that. Whatever we, got yeah. time at, whatever we got time for later. So, on mine, so um, my top 10, I got Usman number one, as everybody else said. Plus, with Usman, the thing about it is I'm really big on, um, you know, the longevity. When you can beat people more than once, it shows it's not a fluke. It gives more strength to the conversation. You got to show different things in the fight. You can't come in exactly the same because they've prepared for it. I have Izzy at number two. I don't knock him for the Jan fight. Um, You know, it's one of those things where, um, once again, if we're looking at the skill of everything, I don't think it was simply the skill of Jan that won that fight. And then something Locke mentioned before. I always respect guys that move up to another weight class that's not their natural weight class and go to compete. Uh, You get kudos from me on that. Number three, I have Francis. With Francis now, with the striker he is and his wrestling, I still think if you made him a smaller person, but once again, we're, we're bringing their skills and attributes to whatever, but you give him knockout power, he does, he, maybe he doesn't have 
heavyweight knockout power, right? But he has the equivalent one-punch knockout power for that weight class, now combined with his wrestling and ability to keep things standard or take people down. He gives people problems no matter what weight class you put him in. The shocker for number four, y'all going to put some respect on his name. I got Kobe. Make America great again, Covington. (laughs) I see y'all laughing. Yeah, I know y'all muted. Kobe Covington. And listen, I have him there because you can't have two very close fights like that with the number one guy. And I don't even put you in my top ten. If we don't have a Usman, we possibly could be talking about Kobe Covington right now as the best welterweight of all time. And if I look at his skill set, I look at his wrestling, I look at his striking, and more important, his cardio, pick somebody on the list, give them the same frame, and tell me how many people on this list really would be able to deal with Kobe Covington with what he brings to the table. Number five, I got Oliveira. Once again, I explained why it was hard for me to move him up, although I did think about moving him up. I don't need to say anything. Everybody else has said everything else about him. I agree with it all. Number six, I have Peter Yan. Number seven, I have Demetrius Johnson. Y'all disrespected him because he went over to one championship, and I knew Locke was going to say something about one championship <laughs> when we started this up. But um, when I look at the current landscape of uh, 135 or whatever, I, I, you know, I look at Figueredo, I look at Moreno, I look at all those guys. I don't think any of those guys could beat DJ currently right now, right? He has the one loss, I get it, but he also fought a much bigger man in a in an organization that does not drug test, <laughs> you know, and he gave up like six inches in height to this guy. So that's a factor. Um, I don't like the fact that I think his next match is actually going to be uh, a Muay Thai fight. I think he needs his wrestling. But anyway, um, I got Volk down at number eight. I have Stipe at nine. And then I brought AJ McKeon at number 10 to round everything out. So that's my top 10 list with people on the list that are not kind of on the other ones. Um, uh, of course, Kobe Covington. Uh, Peter Yan and Demetrius Johnson. I didn't see in that top 10 of the other list, but um, um, a lot of this was very hard to place. And I don't disagree with the placement of some of what you all have. I think there are some definitive things we heard. I don't think anybody has, you know, Figueredo at anything, you know, at seven or above, you know, some of that, I heard everybody that put Max in there. I thought about putting Max in mine. The reason why I didn't, it was kind of similar to what TJ said. Um, and and um, to your question, Holiday, I can see somebody losing to somebody twice and I feel like they won and still not promote them as much because in my opinion, especially in that that second fight, if you were really of this high, high caliber, you would have found a way to make that definitive. And when I take Max versus Volkanovski, you also have to factor in that Max is the bigger fighter in that situation. Volkanovski is like 5'5". Max is like 5'11". He has the reach. He has the cardio. 
He has, yep, yeah, hold on, can I finish my point? <laughs> he has the cardio. He has everything where, in my opinion, that fight shouldn't be close, especially the second fight, even though I think Max won. That is a factor, the same thing that I just said with DJ or the same thing that I would say with somebody else. That would be like a 5'10 guy coming to fight, uh, you know, Izzy and me not giving him any respect. Go ahead, what were you going to say, Holiday? I just wanted to throw in one thing. I watched that fight before this, and I don't know if it's true because I didn't look it up, but they actually said that Max didn't have to reach even though he was the taller guy that Volk had to reach. That was all yeah, I was going through, and that's so why I was talking at that point. Yeah, so there's two different factors of reach, okay? There's arm length, but then when you have the height, and this is a physics thing, when you have the height and you have long arms and you're punching down, that's different than being the shorter guy punching up. It's different on your arms. It's different everything. One's going against gravity. One's going with gravity. And then you factor in the way that he throws his punches, which is a reach on the shoulder, whereas Volkanovski doesn't, and it would be harder for him to do as the shorter man. That gives Max the reach. So it's not simply just the arm, like measuring arm to arm, that gives you that different reach. And it even transcends MMA yeah. into nerd culture. Like, every Star Wars fan knows the value of the high ground, you know? Very- That's bullshit. <laughs> that was the biggest fucking bullshit argument. I'm sorry. Uh, no, but I mean, like, also with Max, you got to talk about your leg gate, too, right? Like, Max can stand and step longer than Volk ever can. So Max could, from the outside, step in, punch him, and get out of there before Volk throws one of his lame-ass hooks. I was shocked you didn't have Robert Whitaker in your top ten. No, no, no. I, I, I like Whitaker. I got a lot of respect for him, but um, it, I couldn't see him put me putting him in the top 10 just based on who would I have to take out. That's the issue. There were yeah. a couple of people I were debating. Once again, even Max. Uh, Max almost made it to the top 10, but it was who do I have to take out. So before we wrap this up, I have two questions, and then I want to open it up for any Thing that anybody else has to say to anyone else and the two questions are um and this goes out to whoever wants to answer it you can answer one or both of them one uh who do you see possibly falling off of the pound for pound list in uh 2022 and who do you see as a person you can see being added to the list in 2022 uh, alexander volkanovsky <laughs> <laughs> Off of which list? Like the UFC list, the shirt dog list, our own personal list? Let's go with the let's go with the shirt dog list. You know? Really you can touch on whichever one let's you want to just list. name the list. Shirt dogs. Gotcha. <laughs> go with whichever one you want to just name the list. Gotcha. And if nobody else wanna go, I'll go first. Oh, I thought I think you're gonna have out. Go ahead, Mark. Alright. So I think that I don't think the Stipe is gonna stay on. Um, I think that he made it to the tail edge because I don't even feel like he's gonna fight again. Um, I think that they're gonna figure out that Volk is a fraud. <laughs> I don't think that he's gonna stay on it. Um, I think that Kobe may make it, but 
he gonna lose he gonna lose to Street Jesus. I was gonna go ahead and say that. Um, <laughs> if that happened, I'd be surprised. I mean, it's the fight game, but I just I really don't see him losing to Masvidal. Yeah, me neither. But I feel like he's gonna. Um, but yeah, other that would than be that, hilarious. um, I, I don't know who I think that besides how I just said him, I don't know who I think would make it on. Um, I haven't been as kind of all the way on it as I usually have, so I can't really think of too many people off hand, but those are the people I think that's going to come off mainly because I think they position is shaky in the first place. I think Brandon Moreno will make it. I think Justin Gaethje will likely fall off if he loses to Charles, and I think I think Charles will beat him. Um, and then I don't see Kobe making the top 10 because I think the stigma of Kobe and Usman is going to carry him through his career. And if Kobe was to, like, you know, bite the bullet and move up to 185, one, if he moved up to 185, he would actually be a real threat to Izzy, right, in my personal opinion. And if he was able to win a couple at 185 or beat Izzy, then, yes, he'll make it. But I don't think as long as as long as long Usman's at the top of the ladder there, he's going to always be not good enough, and that'll keep people from putting him on that list. But I do think Brandon Moreno, I, I feel like he's going to beat the next person he fights, fight um, Brandon again and win that fight. I mean, uh, Figueroa, whatever his name is, Davidson, win that fight, and he'll find himself in that top 10. I, I, got, uh, I got Dustin Poirier. So they got both lists. They got him at 8 and at 9. And uh, I don't see that Dustin Poirier... I mean, he he doesn't seem like he has a huge interest in fighting. I'm sure he still fight a couple more fights, but either going up a weight class or at 155, he stays at 155. Uh, he could always win the fight. I'd like to see him get a belt, you know. But what does he have to do before he get a third title shot? You know, uh, he's got choked out twice. So I th- I think Dustin Poirier would fall off both those lists. Um, and uh. As far as who goes on, I don't know. Um, it's, it's MMA, man. Sean O'Malley. He's going to jump up there, man. He's going to fucking... I'm not a fan. No. <laughs> okay, let me uh, let me throw mine in there. So, um, I definitely think that... Um, I definitely think that um, coming on the list, I think Kamzat has a good chance of uh, hopping on the list. People love him. He has a great buzz. Um, he has kind of that Russian thing behind him, even though I think he's like from France or something. Um, you know, and uh, as we know, a lot of that stuff plays in the eyes of people. You know, just like, of course, as we saw with Connor's, you know, dramatic rise and everything, that, that plays a role. And I think he's only a big name or two away from people looking at him as unstoppable you know especially when you factor in him actually fighting in two different weight classes I mean you can't be more pound for pound than that um and as far as falling off the list I definitely think Figueredo is going to fall off the list um I see a couple things possibly happening uh one as we know Triple C is chomping at the bit to come back I think he can come back and win everything under 145 uh, because I just don't think those divisions have grown a lot as far as the skill level compared to when DJ was there, right? When some of the other guys was there and it's not really a, a knock on these new guys. I just don't think that 
the level of competition is there, right? Um, so I can easily see Triple C coming back and, and you know, wiping out 135. But also I see him coming back and fighting Moreno and Moreno winning that next fight, particularly being prepared for whatever Triple C would be teaching uh, Figueredo. So I, I can see him falling off the list. And I, I pretty much can see a lot of the scenarios you all named um, and the different angles you touched on the Dustin with, you know, getting another title shot, that's a prime, you know, that's definitely a a, a big one. Um, you know, Kobe, uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, kind of always being behind Usman, you know, I can see that. Um, a lot of people, um, well, I don't know about a lot of people because I think people love Volkanovski, but I would say a lot of people on this current podcast <laughs> don't see um, – Volkanovski really being as high as he is um I think he really could drop down and be a really serious threat at 135 he's very muscular so you know and once again the 145 is not what it used to be it's not you know guys five six you know five five you know most of those guys are you know five nine and up now at 145 so I think that that's going to continue to give him some problems and some issues. So, you know, that's pretty much my wrap up. So now I want to open it up for anything anybody said, any rebuttals to anything, any questions anybody had for anybody else, pretty much an open floor. Why do you think that uh, DJ not on the sure dog? We know why he wouldn't be on the UFC list. Why do you think he's not on the sure dog list? I think sure dog really, really uh, weighs heavy on the UFC. It's pretty much a UFC list and a and a um, popularity list. And if when you go over to Asia, um, people just don't see you as much. You're not popular. So me putting you on this list, I just don't think it gets the recognition or the kudos. And I think a lot of these websites now are kind of like everything else with social media or whatever else. It's about the it's about what's going to get you clicks and have people talking. And nobody's talking about DJ right now. When he went over to one, it was like he didn't exist anymore. He literally just fell completely out of favor. He, you know, this was a guy that was, they were flip-flopping him like two, three. Some people were talking about one. You lose one fight and you're not on the list anymore. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy situation. Oh, and one thing I did want to throw in for you, Holiday, when you mentioned the Izzy Whitaker thing, that was one of the fights that I was talking about that DC was doing. Whitaker takes Izzy down. He does nothing. He lands not one punch. Izzy gets right back up. And DC's trying to convince everybody that Whitaker's winning that fight or that round. <laughs> and it made no sense whatsoever. I actually text you about it, but you never replied to my text. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so uh i just wanted to throw that in still yeah, open no, for I, anybody else yeah i want to comment on that i i totally agree because it was literally like he he bounced he would hit the ground and bounce right back up and in my opinion i actually kind of give you more kudos for something like that you know what i mean because it's like you took me down but you couldn't keep me down. And that's kind of your job. I'm on the defensive at this point in time. Mm -hmm. um, and 
so in your attentions is to take me down and more likely you take me down because you surprised me so if i got right back up in my opinion you lost yeah and i think dc if i'm not mistaken he did the same thing back with when uh dj fort cejudo i think he was one of those people that was really going hard at dj losing that fight because of some of those cejudo takedowns but anybody else got anything it, you want to shoot it, to anybody else with? go ahead Go ahead, TJ. Just real quick on a DC note, it's it's a weird bias of his for wrestling. You caught it out earlier. But that DJ Cejudo fight was probably one of the greatest examples. Every single thing, every single grapple exchange that they had, DC made it sound like Cejudo was manhandling DJ. Mm-hmm. And knowing DJ had two blown, it was two blown out knees at that point, right? He walked into the fight with one and blew out the other one in the first round. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was winning those exchanges or defending those exchanges it's like i still feel like dj won that that second fight as well and i know we're saying that a lot about some bad decisions here but i just think that that's something that going into every fight where dc is commentating on if there's a wrestler in there i mute it because it's like it gets annoying after a while it's like like all right bro do you got money on this guy like what are we doing here yeah you know that's that's another podcast topic that's what him and Justin Gaethje had a little small beef about when Justin Gaethje was, you know, trying to get that next um, title shot. And um, who was it? It Was it, I think it was one of Khabib's cousins or something. I think he's an AKA, AKA guy. And uh, He's fighting this weekend. Yeah, he put on a, he put on a good performance, but it was really a wrestling dominant performance. And DC made it sound like he was like a, like, you know, like he was a top 10 guy that we should be talking about. And it was a good performance, but not to the level of what DC was speaking of. But listen, I don't mind people being biased. Just admit it. Like I do when I'm biased, I'm going to tell you up front. I'm biased. So, you know, okay, judge this based on the person that's biased. Right. But when you really try to convince other people, especially when you're the, the stature of a commentator and you understand that judges and people are hearing this, you're influencing decisions, and I think that's not quite right. Anything else? Yeah, uh, real quick, just a couple things. I didn't have DJ on my list because he's had one fight in two years, and all things considered, big guy, drug testing, blah, blah, it was a loss. You know, it was a knockout loss. So mm-hmm. figure one, one, one fight in two years, you know, that's – Almost like the John Jones rule, you're almost out just because of inactivity, but then it's a loss on top of it. So he was off my list. And I think you're much higher on Colby Covington as a fighter than I think he deserves. And and I'm a fight I'm a fan of his fighting style. But I mean he ain't had like a good win since uh RDA, right? Or No, I push back on that. His his last two defeats was really to Usman. Everybody else he's like I'm going to use the word, he's ran over them to the point where they look like inferior MMA fighters. So I, 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 my only, my only reason for Kobe not being on there is because of his losses to, to Usman is going to always make people question his high, his high level skill set. Sorry. I just had to put that out yeah, there. Yeah. If you go back. So, I mean, he, TKO Woodley. Shopworm Woodley. That's and true. And a Shopworm I mean, Robbie Lawler. So that's what I'm saying. His last good win was RDA. That's in 2018. Well, let's let, you got you got let me answer. You know, <laughs> so you know he TKO Willie. I get it. Yeah, he's not the Willie of old, but you know I'm a big believer of if you're in a certain division, 
one, you have to fight who's there, and two, you're fighting people that are ranked ahead of you, right? So if you're fighting people ranked ahead of you, you're trying to get to that title shot, you're fighting who they put in front of you at that point in time. And if you look good in front in, with them, the factor of them, you know, the fact of them being kind of a has been, it's not like you're fighting a guy that's now out of the top five or ten, right? And he's he's a guy of yesteryear, right? It's not like when we talk about those sad situations of a guy that really just stayed around way too long and now you're beating him up. So, um, you know, Robbie Lawler, as you mentioned, yeah, RDA, you can talk about the time frame. It was 2018, but it's not like he's been sitting idle. He's been fighting every year, and he's been fighting who's in front of him. And the only roadblocks in that time has been Usman. So my real question to you would be, okay, great. Who do you think at that weight class he should have fought that he didn't fight? It, it, during this time, mind you, Kamzat wasn't around. You know, you, you have maybe one person. The only person he didn't fight is, uh, who is that? The Usman uh, beat the, his ex-teammate? Um, Burns. Uh, yeah, Burns. This, that's like the only person that he didn't fight coming through that, that, that area that would have been like top five or top six. Well... I get it. You got to beat the guys that are in front of you. I'm just saying, if we're talking about pound for pound, beat a good fighter. You know, beat a top fighter. Like so, at at ranked at welterweight right now, you got Gilbert mm-hmm. Burns, Leon Edwards, Vincente Luque, Bilal Muhammad. He ain't beat none of those guys. Now, you you do you really think that that do you really think that looking at the guys that you named. If we're talking about skill for skill, right? I get it. You got to remember what happened in that division too. A lot of those guys it was like a guy hurt here. This that it, that division was really weird during that stretch, right? That's how he ended up in some of those fights. Do you really think Bilal Muhammad beats him? No, Bilal but Muhammad think, beats Kobe Covington. I think Leon Edwards could. I, I think Gilbert I think Burns maybe could. And we know Leon as being the most unlucky guy ever in the UFC, right? How mm-hmm. many times was he supposed to get a title shot or whatever? And these weird things would keep happening that he just didn't get the title shot or the bigger person. And for him, some of that stuff was also, okay, I won these. You promised me a title shot. Why would I go fight a guy that's just as dangerous as Usman when I want Usman because he has the title? You get what I'm saying? So you really can't put that on Kobe and then when we're talking about pound for pound we still have to factor in the skill right and we can we can say as much as you want but I think at some point I when we're talking about pound for pound I can factor in the fact that he's never beat a top fighter in the prime like can I can I jump in here real quick I just want to say before you say anything TJ the problem is Locke don't want to make America great again. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm, I, oh, I'm, I'm I'll let you go, TJ. I got to say Look, he's an all-American wrestler, and I'm a wrestling fan, okay? I'm talking about straight record. Just saying. Straight record. Just looking at that the facts. That was a little clip, so you won't, you won't get flagged. You won't get flagged. You, you can't even tell what song that was. Um, listen. I'm an, I'm annoyed that you're making me defend Kobe, but here's here's exactly <laughs> if nothing where you're else wrong. that was fun Locke, to do today. 
here's where you're wrong. Everybody you named were not ranked before Kobe, right? They actually became ranked because Kobe cleaned out the top five division when Usman got that championship. And all the people you named, including Leon Edwards, would get would get smashed by Kobe Covington. Second to that, those folks that are all in that top five refuse to fight each other, right? So Leon Edwards to the Worlds, uh, Vicente Luque, um, even uh, what's this guy's name, Gilbert Burns. They won't fight each other. They're all chasing the people. They all have chased people that Kobe has beaten already. So, like, when they all ran after Willie, they all ran after Willie because Kobe beat the shit out of him, right? So, like, they don't even deserve to fight Kobe at this point, in my personal opinion, until they fight each other. Get what I'm saying? So, like, I just think that that's not a valid argument that you're making there. Um, but beyond that, I'm going to keep saying something blue in the face. Kobe will never get his respect because he's going to always lose to Usman. And because of that, he's always going to be perpetually number two, which people will never give him the proper respect he deserves. Put okay, some respect out. on his name. I just, I just <laughs> want to say one thing. That's it. Y'all going to quit saying he beat the crap out of Willie. Willie Rib popped out of place. He beat the shit out of him. Willie Rib popped out of place. He had nothing to do with it. That was what happened. The referee stopped because his rib popped out of place. He was coming back. He was going to do some of this stuff. And then some of that stuff, and it was gonna work, but his rib popped out of place. <laughs> Willie Willie Rib had dropped the mixtape, and that's why the fight had to end. Listen, I love Willie. I just think he should have retired very early. He had a, he had a, a career. He could have been one of those transition guys, like a Brandon Schaub or something like that. He had so many other things he could have been doing instead of you know this sad road that he's been going down, and um, you know. Hurts my heart. But any last words for anybody before we wrap this up? Okay, great. So I want to thank everybody from coming on, of course. Thank both of my guests, my co-hosts here. And, um, you know, this wraps it up. It's been another Fat Boy MMA podcast. Thanks. Come again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.